Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows. This is an epic podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, anyone vested in the world of education, and I am your co-host, Erin Barnes. Today, I've got good friend, uh, longtime epic colleague, Erica Nelson on the show. Erica has um, been a teacher with Epic, and now she is running the Math Plus department. Erica, uh, tell us who you are in your personal world, and then give us a little rundown of your time here at Epic. Okay. Hi, Erin. Thanks for having me on today. Um, well, I am, I've been in education since, so let's see, 2006. So prior to coming to Epic, I, uh, I taught high school math, um, most everything from Algebra 1 through um, trigonometry. Um, and you know everything in between. Um, I'm a mom. I have an 11 year old son, so um, I have some experience of you know the best ways to help your own child through the struggles of math and school. So I'm kind of excited to get to talk about it from both an educator's perspective and a parent. So math, man, uh, it was the bane of my existence growing up. Uh, matter of fact, I, uh, and some people have heard this and, and you might've heard it, but I don't know. I learned how to begin cheating in math in seventh grade and from seventh grade through 12th grade, uh, I cheated on everything. I did not learn mathematics. And then in, um, my 12th grade year, the administrators at Union High School came and said, hey, we've noticed this little trend. Uh, you do great uh, on the homework. You are killing it on the projects, but you haven't passed a test in a really long time. Uh, what's up? And basically, they found me out and asked me to come back the next year to join them for geometry and algebra two. And I quit school because of math. Wow, Erin, I did not know this about you. Yeah. Um, so uh, flash forward a few years later, uh, I am sitting in, you remember Jen Lake? She used to work yeah. for us. Okay, yeah. so she and I worked together at the brick and mortar up the street uh, before we came to Epic. And I'm sitting in her class. I'm a paraprofessional, okay? Hired to sit with one kid to help this one kid change her mind during class. Like she just had this bad attitude and, and I was literally there to help her reframe the day, right? <laughs> Which is crazy. Um, or not crazy. I, it was the greatest job. And I love that kid and she and I are friends are on Facebook still. But I'm sitting in that class and I watch Jen Lake uh, teach three groups. And so she split her class into two rows uh, on, the, on the one side, two rows in the middle, and then two rows on the other side. And she is like, all right, groups B and C, you've got three minutes to blah, blah, blah. And she would tell them to, to get to work on something. She's like, all right, group A, da, 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 da. And like she was differentiating in this class in real time. And I, it was the first time I was like, whoa, I understand how to add and subtract fractions. And I, was, I mean, like I'm a 20-year-old <laughs> woman and I'm thinking, 
20 something year old woman. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I, I get this. I, I can add and subtract fractions. And it, it really was sitting in her math class that I decided to go get my uh, bachelor's degree finished up. Uh, Cause I, I quit school, but I immediately went and got a GED and I'd started school. And then OSU said, Hey, 1.4 GPAs don't do well around here. Get out. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know, girl. I'm giving it all to you right now. Uh, you listeners could not see Erica's face, which <laughs> nearly fell out of her chair. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, flash forward, um, I get a job at Epic and they tell me you've got to teach every grade level. And I thought, no, 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 no. I got this certification on purpose because I really am only qualified to teach third through fifth grade math. That's it. Like, that's, I got the math. That certification for the third through fifth grade math. And I remember very clearly uh, being told, if you want to work here, you will learn really quickly how to teach these other things. And so I immediately found Khan Academy. This is 2011. And I started working through, they had a mission back then called the world of math. And I, I started at kindergarten because I was so scared. Like, what are these holes that I might have? And I started at kindergarten and started working my way through. And I'm proud to say I've done kindergarten through algebra now. And I've, I've kind of stalled out in geometry, mostly because of the time. But uh, I'm going to let you talk eventually here. But <laughs> that, is, that is math for me in a nutshell. And so my first question to you, um, and I used to say it all the time, I am just not a math person. What do you think of when you hear someone say, I'm just not a math person? Are there math-minded people, Erica? Oh, this is kind of a tricky one. And uh, my husband and I kind of disagree on, you know, like, are, are some people just, you know, more naturally inclined to be good at certain things? And um, I used to always think, yes, my husband is, is very, he's a coach mm-hmm. and he's a very hardcore, like, no, it's all about effort and practice. And honestly, I kind of think that the truth is like somewhere in between. I think that we all like, we might have a tendency to be better at one thing than something else. But when it comes down to it, if you are willing to put in the effort to learn it, you can, you can learn anything. Um, I think it boils down to um, experiences. I think that for many people, I think we all start out curious about math and numbers and patterns. And I mean, math is the language of the entire world. Math is all around us. But once we get into school and we, especially in the early grades, and it gets, you know, really kind of thick into like arithmetic, that's where kids will start having that you know, they're struggling for the first time with, with math. Um, and then they get anxious and then the anxiety takes over and then maybe their parents see it. And then the parents might make, you know, what they assume to be a harmless comment, you know, well, I was never good at math either. And that is probably one of the hardest things that I've had to teach my families, my parents of these students, like, please don't say that. Please don't say that because then it's a cop out. I remember hearing that from my mama and thinking, okay, well then her too, you know, she's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting how, um, I won't say that it's like a brag or 
badge of um, honor, but I mean, people aren't embarrassed to say like, oh, I'm terrible at math. But you don't hear the same thing about reading. No one brags like, gosh, I'm just, I'm, I can't read. I'm illiterate. <laughs> you didn't see that. <laughs> so to, to hear people say that about math, it just, it's, it's mind boggling. Like how you, how anyone can think it's okay to, to just like claim that and, um, and not do anything about it and then project that onto your children. Um, I understand maybe thinking, oh, you know, I'm trying to make them feel better about themselves by letting them know, hey, it's not just you, but we've got to learn how to phrase it in a way where we're not giving them an out. We're just letting them know, hey, you're not alone. You're not the first person and you won't be the last to ever struggle at math. But that just means that there's opportunity to grow and learn. And how, how should we tackle this? How do we figure this out so that you continue to enjoy math and feel success? You know, I have two storytelling platforms each week, so I always forget, like, did I tell this story on my Lunch and Learn on Facebook, or did I tell this story on the podcast? But um, I had a student a few years back, and uh, when I got her, she was a seventh grader, and I mean, that, that was back when we had map tests, right? Those, uh, those norm t- tests. And she looked like she was scoring at about a fifth grade level. And I said, you know what? It's okay. I mean, it really is. And I told her my story and how I started at kindergarten and don't be discouraged. And we started, um, I told her if you'll do fifth and sixth grade math this year, you know, it's not going to look pretty at the end of the year. You're not going to pass a state test because you're going to be doing fifth and sixth grade math. And we, you know, we had to struggle through some of the on grade level content because you have to, but she did that year. She did fifth grade and sixth grade in uh, first semester and second semester. And then the next year, her uh, eighth grade year, she did seventh grade first semester and then finally did eighth grade in her second semester and went all summer long. And by the time she was a ninth grader, she tested on grade level. And I just thought, okay, how much of this is having holes in the found, the foundations, the fundamentals of math? Yeah, for sure. If you, um, in math, I mean, it builds on the previous year. And so at some point, if you have holes in your foundation, it's all going to come crashing down. And we see that um, a lot in algebra one. Yeah. A lot of times that's where like they get, you know, they somehow like tread water and keep their head above um, through eighth grade and they get to algebra one and I don't know, just the rigor, the expectations of high school courses, but all of a sudden, I mean, they, you know, it just goes black. They We prepare kids and I think, I feel like multi-step math starts at about fourth grade, right? I mean, would you, I mean, they're trying to get it earlier now. I mean, you can see the, the, the start of it in second grade, but, but really in fourth grade, it's on the state test. They're doing multiple, um, stepped math. And then I'm thinking, you know, but by the time they get to, um, algebra one, if you don't know multiplication, a you got to figure out the multiplication before you can even insert it into the problem, and there's like this level of exhaustion or math fatigue before you're even with all the math you had to do before you could even start answering the problem because you've got to break it down and and make x's into numbers or you know get things on the same side. So I, I think really it is we I think we need to 
focus on those multiple set problems, especially in seventh and eighth grade to prepare those ninth graders. Because, I mean, I, I see it in my own kiddos, like, ah, I just did so much math and that wasn't even the answer. No, girl, now you can start the problem. <laughs> Yes, it's always funny the first time they have a, a math problem and it like takes up a whole sheet of paper and they're like, what? What the heck did I just math here? Yeah. <laughs> um, why do you think, well, I, I feel like we just answered it. I mean, the fatigue. I was going to ask, why do you think people hate math? What are some of the reasons you've heard on on this? Uh, I mean, the exhaustion for one. Uh, why do you think people hate it? don't like it because I think it makes them feel like they aren't smart. Mm. No one ever wants to feel like they're not smart enough. And that's that's how math makes people feel. If they have holes, if they hit a roadblock early on and then just kind of shut down, they're just going to hate it more and more because they're getting further and further behind. Mm. It's it's just this, um, I don't know, I think it's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. You're right. It, It really is. Um, so I had, uh, even, I still hated math, but I remember, um, sitting at the breakfast table and then, uh, my stepdad, whenever I was young would sit in the car with me and he would, he did these little math games. And I just remember, gosh, I hate these stupid games. I don't even like riddles anyway. And then you're adding math to it. No, thank you. But he did these things, um, like when added together, it equals seven. And when multiplied, it equals 12. What? what is it? And, and I just remember it taking so long to figure out. And I would work my way like, all right, two plus two, four, no, not seven. What is two and five? No, but then that's not 12. I mean, uh, yeah, 12, um, when multiplied and in, I would like have to break every single one of those problems down, but I attribute my mental math computation of, um, uh, Multiplication and division, very much so to that, because he played those stupid games with me growing up. And and now I've got like, um, it, you know, I mean, we're sitting around as a family and um, somebody's like, uh, hey, it, it says I need, you know, four of these, but we're we're tripling the batch, you know. Uh, when we're making cookies and stuff. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's three. Just uh, anyway, uh, I mean, that's 12. And um they're just like, oh my gosh, you did that so fast. And I, I just want to be like, guys, it was a struggle. Like this is, I still shock myself sometimes. <laughs> yeah. No, we, uh, I, I do that with my son. We play, a, I incorporate math into everything. Just yesterday we were, um, he wanted to go play basketball. So we're at the basketball court. He's shooting free throws and we're like updating his stats, like live, you know, like, one for one, hundred percent. One for two, fifty percent. Okay, two out of three. You're at sixty-six, and like we're just constantly. Every time he would shoot it, we would update. What is what is your percentage? Um, I mean, you got to find ways to make it um, relevant to the kids. I mean, my kid's a sports junkie, so you can you know make it about statistics. <laughs> he loves it. Wow. We used to do the same thing, like in the car driving. And that's how he learned. I made him start learning his multiplication in second grade. Good for you. <laughs> he, he didn't think so. But he was happy once he, you know, third grade when they started having this test and he already knew it all, you know, but we would, you know, we're driving in the car. Um, so listening to the radio, we're talking about 
math. I'm quizzing him. Um, and then you just got to have these conversations, just constantly discuss math and help them to kind of make sense out of it. Um, one thing that is, I noticed that students really struggle with is like thinking about numbers flexibly. Um, like they think it's just like, okay, well, it's 87. Okay. It, it's literally 87. No, it's, it's eight sets of 10. And then you have these ones and you can, you can mix and match. You can, you know, so like my son, when, uh, again, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm the worst mom and I don't let him ever have any fun, but you know, like we're playing darts and you know, I'm like, okay, so subtract this, you know, we start at 300 and we're going down and I'm like, okay, well, do you need to subtract 87 or should you subtract 80? Cause you can do that one in your head, then back it down seven. So like just having that type of like flexibility, like understanding that um, you don't have to make everything difficult. You can break it down into smaller pieces that are easier to handle. And I think that because we don't have enough of that discussion in the early grades, we're raising, you know, a, you know generations of kids who, who hate math. Yeah. And I think it has to be done this one, this one way. You know, my kiddos uh, were really, horrified uh, and, and, and ticked at me, honestly, when they realized how much multiplication was a part of Yahtzee. We used to play Yahtzee family game night, right? And I'm already super competitive. So I have to withhold and refrain for playing not just for myself, but for them. Like, oh, that's not, you know, you don't want to go with your threes there. Look at this. You could do it. And, you know, so I already am trying to play for them. But when they realized that they were doing math and uh, how I had tricked them, they were so mad. So, so mad at me. <laughs> they should have they should have thanked you. You made their lives easier and they you made it fun. Oh man. And so then Jolene Jolene got this giant Among Us poppet, okay, uh over the summer. I mean the thing's giant and it came with two dice and she's like but there's no instructions. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I heard about this. Like you roll the two dice and you add them uh, the first go round, And then you roll the two dice and you multiply them your second turn. And then you just go back and forth between adding and multiplying. <laughs> I just make this up, right? And she was like, oh, okay, well, let's play. And like it was her favorite game for a minute. And so then every answer we'd, you know, pop the poppets. And anyway, <laughs> then she realized you just made this up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you a gold star for being Thank you. Mom. I'm a real jerk, you know. What do you say to families? And so this isn't on my questions, and it's not fair. I apologize. But what do you say about families who are like, ah, oh, this new math or this common core? We don't want common core math. We don't want the new math. How do you talk to families about common core and new math? And is the math we're doing right now common core? Yeah. Okay, so uh, this new math, it's not new math. It's just, it's actually like the why behind the math. We grew up like learning the algorithms and like, this is how you do it. And so that's what you hear a lot. Like, why do we need to do it this way? Why can't they just, you know, do like long division like I did or multiplication like I did? Like it's process, it works. Yes, yes, it, it, it is a process that works. But does it actually provide you any understanding as to why it works right can you go out in the then, real world and apply it yeah and, and then that leads to well I, oh man i forgot the steps okay well if you understand the why you, there's really nothing to memorize you don't have to memorize steps 
Yes. So like, this is kind of a little bit where, you know, where I said that my husband and I kind of disagree. Um, this is kind of one reason I, I, I disagree a bit because I, I keep trying to think back to like my childhood and where I might've learned some of these things. And I can't, I don't know that anyone ever like explicitly told me, but it just made sense in my mind. Like I've been doing this new math, this new common core math in my head, like my entire life. That's why I could do like mental um, arithmetic so easily um, because I, I had that understanding of like working the numbers flexibly. Um, but I think that's why we're at where, where we are right now because so many people were just trying to use these algorithms. They didn't really understand them. They weren't good at memorizing. So then eventually they started hating math. Um, and they got away from like math as like a process to like to solve problems. And it just became like, okay, here's a problem. I want the right answer. And that's all that matters. You know, we need to get back to like actually like using math to, to solve bigger problems, look for patterns, create connections between things. Um, and you're not going to do that with, just teaching algorithms. Oh, Miss Erica, we have computers and calculators for that now. Exactly. <laughs> no, I actually, I mean, I really do believe that, um, and it was long before Common Core was even, you know, the the, the, the two most hated words in the English language, but uh, I believe that's what Jen Lake was doing when she was breaking it down, and I finally, like, ah, understood it, uh, you know, uh, it, it was like being handed the template to how to decode something. And I thought, okay, I can, I can do this now. And, you know, now it's so easy to go to the store and, and talk about those decimals and percents. Like when the kids see this is 40% off, they're like, well, how much is that? And I'd say, well, let's break it down. What's 10% off? And then just times that by four. And then they're like, wait, that's how you do percents? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what we were talking about books before we got recording and I've got five, six sitting here. What are some of your favorite books about math? And that's going to that like, please don't be horrified. Don't turn off the podcast right now. I mean, I'm serious. I've got these six books here on math that I love, 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 Mm -hmm. love. What are some of your favorite go-to books on math? Um, one that I really enjoyed is um, What's Math Got to Do With It by Joe Bowler. What's She's math, um, a professor math. at Stanford. Um, she's my go-to authority on, on math education. Um, but she, in this book, she discusses, you know, what's going wrong in our classrooms? What are we, you know, how do we need to change, like, from early on? Um and she talks a lot about like what I was saying with like thinking flexibly about numbers um, and they're not being just one way to do things. Um, I think that the more we try and uh, make it a one size fit all for students, the more we're, kids were just pushing away from math. Um, so we need to um, work more on like process and not just answers and having more discussions about math early on with students. Because it's those, those discussions and talking about it and talking about the thinking um, that's going to build um, lifelong mathematical thinkers. So I've got, uh, and you said you have them too, but you haven't read them yet. Uh, Danica McKellar, 
Winnie Cooper from the Wonder Years for all of us oldies. Um, she's got some books. She's got Math Doesn't Suck, and it's like sixth and seventh grade math. And the one thing that stuck out there when she was talking about integers, uh, she was calling them mintagers, and she was eating these mints. And she just has a way of kind of making each of the lessons. And each each chapter has... Uh, a set of questions to it that you've got to solve, but she has a way of kind of breaking it down and making it feel like you're reading like a teen magazine. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is really cool. And then there's the answer keys in the back of each book. And then she's got uh, kiss my math and that's pre-algebra and then hot X algebra exposed. And, um, (laughs) word problems, polynomials, quadratic equations, and more. Can you imagine diving into something that looked like a teen magazine about polynomials? Oh, she has another one in her geometry book is uh, Girls Get Curves. Ooh, I need to get, <laughs> I need to get that one. It's so much fun. Uh, but then um, um, this was I was turned on to the painless books and these again are just math books that have a way of breaking it down that make it a little bit easier and there's fewer questions like I remember when I first started um, looking into offline material to go along with the online material we looked at Saxon because everybody just raved about Saxon math but oh my gosh my kids were dying with 35 and 40 questions for every single lesson and the the painless ones they've got uh 12, 15 problems each, and it just kind of, um, the way it breaks it down, it's it's kind of talking about nano learning. Have we talked to nano learning? Did I ask you about nano learning? No. Okay, so it's, it, it's a buzzword right now, but it's nothing. I mean, I'm thinking back to my textbooks from back in the day, like elementary, middle school textbooks, um, and how they would introduce a concept and then you'd do four or five problems. And then they would build on that concept and you would do four or five problems. And so that's all nano learning it is, is breaking it down into super digestible bite size and then practicing it before building upon versus, um, you know, there are lessons and I'm thinking like compass was a huge offender. Um, I felt like Odyssey where was kind of a big offender of like, Here's, I'm going to teach you a lesson and then you're going to do all the variations of it at the same time. And I would just, I, and it was like, oh, an apex. I remember going through apex when we first brought it in and thinking, uh, okay, we learned how to do this, but now you're adding a half in there and you never explained how to use a half in any of this. You were using whole numbers. Now you're adding halves and decimals. Like that's not fair. (laughs) Anyway, uh, These just have a fun way of breaking it down. You do a small number of uh, problems and then move on. So anyway, Uh, my other one, and it doesn't have any math to do in it. Like those five books, there were math problems in them and you work through math problems. But the other book that I love and I've read it a couple of times and I've actually bought it for a few people too, uh, The One World Schoolhouse by Salman Khan. And that is the guy who started Khan Academy. And he just talks about... Like our brains, especially if you go unchecked or you don't use something for a while, they, they kind of start deteriorating. You're only able to keep like 40 pieces of, of working memory going at the same time, right? And so like if I didn't do any multiplication for 10 years, I'd probably like have a hard time coming back into it and, and learning how to multiply again. 
And he, he talks about those little being like little Swiss cheese holes in, in the holes in the cheese and how we have these little holes in our education. And we got to go back and fill them. And that's part of the reason he's got Khan Academy out there free is so people can go back and fill those holes, uh, those Swiss cheese holes. Yeah. Um, you talking about the working memory um, brought up a thought here. Uh, you know, you were asking about um, why people hate math and, you know, and I was bringing up the anxiety um, something I read recently about, um, about that is how, you know, like people who are good at math typically have more working memory so they can keep track of, you know, all the different things going on at once. Um, but whenever you have math anxiety, then you have all of these subconscious thoughts that are going on in your head and it's taking up that working memory space. So it's going to give you even less, you know, brain power to process the math problems. So it's almost like you got to do like a mental mindset or like a growth mindset lesson before you start that math. No, exactly. And that's, um, I mean, I know that today's purpose isn't to talk about math plus, but that's. No, I want to talk about it we're really working on and, and we talked about as a team is how like this first semester, it's almost like we've spent more time on um, building up students' confidence um, and creating those growth mindsets just so that by next semester, they're going to be able to, to confidently come to class. Because so many kids are, have been telling our teachers, you know, over the last six weeks or so, like, thank you so much. Like, I hated math until this year, but you make it fun. You Like, I now I understand that I can do it. And, I mean, that's something that our teachers say a lot is, like, we can do hard things. We're going to do hard things together. We're capable. You're smart enough. Like, we just have to keep believing in ourselves and keep trying. And, and of course, you don't know everything. If you knew it all, you wouldn't need to be in school, right? That's like, right. No one knows knows everything. So um, we just got to change those mindsets. That's, that's the most difficult thing. And I can't wait to see like, you know, two or three years from now when we have students who've been with us, you know, multiple years and like how their mindset has changed about math and how much um, growth we see whenever they're not, you know, creating obstacles in their own minds. Yeah, no, I think that that is huge. And and I did want to talk about Math Plus. So um, this is the first year for it. Why did you guys start Math Plus? I mean, we've got we've had Epic Live classes go and, and kids were, were doing Epic Live, but why is Math Plus different and uh, more than what we've done in the past? Um, Epic Live you know, has been great. Um, and for some kids, just that little bit of extra is, is really all they needed. But I feel like that's really the exception, not the rule. Yeah. Most students need a math teacher just as much as our students need a foreign language teacher. I mean, so um, last year I taught Epic Live all day long every day. That's all I did. And so I saw my students once a week and uh, even though like I knew it before, like it really just like being right in your face all day long, every day, like I realized just how big our math problem was. Um, and it, we, we were going to have to do something more than one 50 minute supplemental class with the teacher. Um, so that's where, you know, the beginnings of my vision for the math program came. Um, just wanting more consistency, um, 
more face time with the teacher, more time to discuss, to talk about the, you know, the process. Let me see your thinking. Let's see, you know, let's have more time for kids to work collaboratively with each other, um, with the support of the teacher. Um, and then also there, it wasn't working well to have, you know, your live classes, but then the students would be, you know, you might have five different uh, curricula represented and no one's ever on the same same lesson right I mean as you can imagine anything is easier to teach if everyone's on the same page so um that was you know the second component we're going to have everyone working out of the same curriculum it's it's it students do lose some flexibility because it's not self-paced you have to follow the pace of the teacher but I mean whenever I was a roster teacher I used to tell my students because they would ask like can I can I work ahead can I do you know all of my English and then do all of my math and then you know I told them okay for your um for your electives certainly go for it whatever you want math no no every day you can't do math you can't cram math in you know a month or six weeks and then not use it again for another year or another you know semester Yep. It doesn't work that way. You have to um, you have to expose your your mind to it consistently, and um, it, it will always be a struggle. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to to struggle bust their way through school. No. Um. So we have we're we're at a fifty percent rate over here. Uh, we're one for two. Both girls started in it. Um. Tatum is a ninth grader taking Algebra 1, and Jolene is a sixth grader. And and ironically, I think Jolene's grade was better, but um, she was having issues with retaining it. And, I mean, she she we've got lots of things we're working through with this kiddo. But I was having to reteach everything um, after <laughs> they, she had gone through. But I think it's because of the, the other things that are going on. It wasn't because the teacher, I mean, the teacher was amazing. Um, but Tatum is loving Math Plus. And it's so funny because the hardest part for us, Erica, has been that for 10 years, we've been on that flexible schedule. Mm-hmm. And now that we have to show up at the right time every week. And then also the 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 lessons are due each week. And so... We, I think semester two, we're going to really shine yep. <laughs> for math plus, but she is loving it. And, and it's so funny. Um, you know, my house is full on Tuesdays. She's, so she has to do her math on Monday, Wednesday, but she's missed a Monday. And, uh, the teacher has let her come to a Tuesday class before. And she's like, Oh, this Tuesday class is so much fun. Like I want to be a part of that Tuesday class. I was like, well, let's ask her. And she's like, no, but I can't miss my friends. And so she's got this real, like, she wants to be a part of the Tuesday class because they're more fun and engaging. Uh, but she loves the math class and she loves Erica. Miss um, Christner is her teacher and mm-hmm. she just makes it fun. Yes. Yeah. These, the teachers amaze me like every week there's something new they're doing and I'm like, that's brilliant. Yeah. Or, you know, and like they're so good at sharing with the whole department and, um, actually this week we started doing like peer observations to learn from each other. And I just, I can't wait to see how much we start our teachers grow, um, this, this year, learning from each other, learning all the, you know, getting all the new tools in their 
tool belt. Um, I mean, cause it's, it's different to teach online full time. It's, it's really different. For um, sure. There's a completely different set of challenges than being like in the classroom. So looking ahead, I mean, and, and we're not even really to second semester yet, so this might not be a fair question. Are you looking at innovating for next year or adding more, um, more sched- more to the schedule? Like uh, you've got three sixth grade math classes. Will you try to have five next year or will you try to do some other uh, innovations? Well, um, we are definitely working on a proposal to expand the number of teachers, the number of grade levels, um, expanding to include um, hopefully a SPED teacher for each yes. grade level, for sure. Um, that has been the, the number, sorry, I'm cutting you off, but that has been the number one, like, oh, I wish this was like, just had a little more remediation to it. And and I get why it can't. You've got to teach grade level standards, but I love the idea of having a, another uh, teacher for uh, for that. Yeah, so we're, um, we'll see what we can get approved. Sure. Um, I think that, um, I think we're, we're going to get the green light to expand some, but definitely with those sped and keeping those classes at 10 students. Yes. Because I know that that's a big piece there is that small group instruction. Um, so sped teachers won't have as many in their classes. Um, they will be able to do more remediation, um, and then another thing that um, we're actually announcing on Epic One today mm-hmm. is um, Math Plus Unplugged. So we're creating, or actually we're piloting this spring with Algebra 2, um, an idea that we think we're going to incom- incorporate into all of Math Plus next year. Um, so it'll basically be Math Plus, but without that live component. Okay. So the students will use Alex. We'll use the courses that we create in Schoology. We'll adapt the in-class activities um, so that it can be done by a student on their own at home. But we will still proctor all of their assessments, and they will have access to a math teacher for office hours five days a week and to get um, grading and feedback from a math certified teacher. I love that. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. Uh, any last words for listeners when it comes to math and mathiness? That's that's the title of this episode is mathiness. Mathiness, okay. Um, really, I just kind of want to share a little story for people who think that they're not math people. So um, I thought that I was a math person since I was tiny. Um, my mom thought that she was not a math person. She told me that she struggled in high school. She, she was a C math student in high school. So um, she didn't go to college until she started college when I was maybe junior high, I think. Okay. And she was going to school to for elementary education, early childhood. And she took had to take like her first like college algebra class. I tutored my mom through her college algebra class. Oh. Okay. Then she decided, well, I really like this. I think I'm going to take trig. So then she took trig. I ended up tutoring her through trig. Um, Can't remember what else she ended up taking. And then as soon as she graduated and she was taking her certification exams, she thought, 
and take the math test and see. She passed the advanced math certification test. Erica. And that's what she's taught is math. She has never taught early childhood. And so my point is that just because you think, you know, you've had certain experiences and you think I'm not a math person or, you know, I don't get it. It's never too late to learn. And you never know when it's going to click. Dang it. I was click for her in high school, but it did as an adult. And now she loves it. Okay. So I was going to end the episode there, but now I've got one more question. Okay. And so it's stemming from my daughter was a gymnast, a gymnast. We put her in gymnastics at age four and uh, at age, uh, I mean, she was almost 12. She had her second surgery. They were talking about her hips needing a, a surgery and it was all overuse, overdoing it. She was burnt out. Do you think we could move beginning learning math back? a few years, right? And, and this is just off the cuff. I, it, this came from nowhere. But do you think if we started teaching math, maybe um, fifth grade instead of kindergarten with that addition and subtraction and, and stuff like that, that by the time they were 17, 18 years old, maybe it would be easier to pick up? Or do you think pushing it earlier would be better I don't think pushing it earlier would be better at all. I okay. don't know about fifth grade. That might be a bit much. Might be late. I, do think, I mean, I think with most subjects, like we're trying to do more and more and more earlier and earlier and earlier, and it's going to create fatigue for everyone. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think that a lot of the things that we're requiring of students in the early grades are not developmentally appropriate. Yeah. And I think that creates some of that frustration and those feelings of inadequacy. And, you know, I'm not good at math because I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Um, I don't know what the right answer or, you know, where that sweet spot is, but I, I do think we're trying to, to push too much on them too soon. And, um, and I don't remember, I can't remember what the area of the brain is called, but there's an, the area that where you process math. And it's like the last part of your brain to mature. So there's something ah. to do. So a lot of people like it just, which maybe that was my mom's problem, maybe. And mine. That was not fully matured until she was 20, 21. Like, who knows? Well, so. shoot. And add to that then early childhood traumas and brain traumas and, and other, you know, chemicals that might be uh, introduced uh, to, to little babies. Um, that's a recipe for a research paper right there, sister. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, let you, I'll let you do that one. Okay. <laughs> well, we will end the episode here. Uh, there's going to be a mass mutiny of people like pushing pause and, and quit, but Thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was so awesome to talk about math. And I'm, I, please, like, I am, I am a math person. I am a math person. I was about to say I'm not a math person, but I, I am. I really want to know and understand it. And so thank you for coming on today. Yeah. Thank you for, for having me and for sharing the message that we're all math people. And math doesn't suck. No, it does not. Math is awesome. <laughs> 
All right. Well, that is all the time we have. There are resources at the bottom of the show notes. So if you want to go out and see those resources, it's kind of just ways to get your students thinking about math. It's not necessarily math problems or or ways to learn, but like questions you can ask your kid to help uh, develop the, the processing and the critical thinking. Tune in next week where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.